Uh, but it's, it's interesting, this time of year, right, everybody, especially in the Midwest, it seems like Christmas lights are a big deal. Uh, and some, some right here in our area, I feel like we do Christmas lights pretty well. Uh, let's look at this first one. Anybody know what this first one is? Anybody know where that is? Yeah, it's Kings Island. That's Kings Island Winterfest. So uh, my kids were just there a couple days ago, and they came back raving about it. It looks very magical. Um, but that's the way Kings Island looks like right now. What about this next one? Anybody know what this one is? Yeah, that's the Carillon Tree of Light. They do it every year. It's humongous, in case you can't tell, you know, based on the roads next to it. It is humongous. Uh, what about this next one? Anybody know this one? Clifton Mill. Admit it. How many of you guys had dates at Clifton Mill at some point? Yep. Pretty much every couple who dated in this area at some point went to Christmas lights at Clifton Mill. My wife and I did over 20 years ago when we were dating. Uh, it still seems to be the case. What about this next one? Anybody familiar with this one? That is my neighborhood. That is the view from my driveway. Uh, there are so many lights. If you look, this road actually kind of curves around and goes back. It's insane. It's like little mini Vegas right there in Miamisburg. Uh, there are lights everywhere. The, the electric bills have to be insane this time of year. Um, and right across the street, if you can kind of look, you see the house right across the street from us. They are the kings and queens of inflatable Christmas decorations. You can see it. You can see like, like about down in this bottom corner, there's like Mickey and Minnie and up in the front, there's Snoopy and all that kind of stuff. They have all these things. They love inflatable Christmas decorations. How many of you guys have inflatable Christmas decorations in your yard? Okay. So I like, there's one kid over here who's like, we do. And dad was like, don't you dare say that. Uh, so in my neighborhood, that what you can't see, if you can put that same picture back up, that would be great. So what you can't see is like just to the left of this. So there's, this is their backyard. This, these inflatables wrap all the way around the front of their house and then down the other side as well. And what you can't see is just to the left, uh, there is their newest addition to the Christmas inflatable decorations, and it is this. I have no clue why a mounted fish is a Christmas decoration, but apparently it is. But, you know, when you look at it on a screen, you can't really tell that this thing is six and a half feet wide by five and a half feet tall. It's humongous. And what's worse, it sings. All night, it sings. You know what it sings? I will survive. I will survive, hey, hey, I will survive, I will survive, hey, hey, just in case you think there's a variety, nope, it's I will survive, uh, it's that all night. There, I was working in my garage the other night thinking about like, I wonder how far I can throw a hammer, you know? Um, I wonder if I could convince my kids to go over and accidentally trip over the power cord, you know? Uh, so if you're one of those people who does Christmas lights or Christmas decorations that make noise all night, you should really invest in some really good gifts for your neighbors. Because right now, they don't like you, guaranteed. Uh, we love those neighbors. They're awesome. Our kids play together. But those decorations, they're, they're crazy. 
But every, every year, they add something to it. It seems like the lights at Christmas become such a big deal. And that's, I think, a fitting thing. Maybe not blow up bass, but, you know, lights at Christmas is a fitting thing. Because even from the very first Christmas, what do we know? A giant light marked the way for the wise men and the shepherd to find the Savior, to know where to go. It was marked by a giant star in the sky, and that giant star in the sky was pointing the way to an even greater light, an even greater light that came by way of a baby in a manger, which is why we're all here tonight, celebrating the birth of that child. See, light and Christmas have always had a big connection And as we've been looking through the first chapter of John over the last month, we have seen that connection more and more and more. And I want to read the passage that Aletheia read earlier. This is John 1, verses 9 through 13. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So tonight, with the, with the little bit of time we have together, we're going to look a little bit more at this connection between light and Christmas. And as we look at that connection, I want us to pay attention, or I want us to think, it, think about it through the lens of three words. The first word luminous, the second one, illuminated, and the third one, illuminating. And you'll see kind of what I mean as we work through the passage tonight. But in verse 9, it says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is describing Jesus. So Jesus is the true light that gives light. The word luminous means exactly that. To be luminous means that you are a source of light. You are self-generating, emitting light. That's what it is to be luminous. And here, Jesus is called the true light that gives light. He is the light source. And what is light for? What is its purpose? What does light do? Well, scientifically speaking, in terms of our biology, light stimulates our sight. And it reveals what is actually there. That's what light does. You know... It's interesting when we think about if we were to take all the light out of this room, like this room right here, if we were to take all the light, it's kind of dim already, right? But if we were to take all the lights out of it, we would still be here. We'd still be sitting in the seats and we'd still be in this room. But without any light, we'd have no frame of reference to know how many people are in here with me. No frame of reference to know how far from my seat to the door. No frame of reference to know, oh man, did I wear matching socks today? No way to know why that person behind you is breathing so loudly, right? Without the lights, we we can't actually see what's going on in the room. But what's going on in the room is still happening. But with light, light reveals what is there. Light reveals what is true. And in that same token, when Jesus comes into the world... He comes to open our eyes and to reveal to us what is really true, what is most right, and what is most valuable. That's what the true light came to do. 
It helps us see what is true and what is real. And that's what Jesus came and did. And what is he revealing? Well, if you follow the life of Jesus, you know, we've been focusing on one chapter of John, but if you follow the entire life of Jesus, Jesus comes and he reveals some very important things. Like he reveals that each one of us made by God for God. We were made by him and we were made for relationship with him. We were made to bring him glory. But what we learn is that there in the garden, when Adam and Eve chose themselves over the Lord's plan, they introduced into this picture sin. And when sin comes into a picture, it breaks everything. That's what sin does. And this broken picture, because of sin, broke the relationship that God had with man. And Jesus reveals, hey, you were made for God, but you can't get to him on your own. Your relationship is broken now. You need some help. And you know, and he's not saying brand new things. The people who are hearing this message have known for a long time they've needed a Messiah. But what Jesus eventually shows them too is that I am that one. I am that one who is here to fix what has been broken. I am here as the one to restore that relationship that has been separated. That's part of what Jesus is revealing. That though sin blinds us and tries to keep us clamoring in the dark, there is a light to be seen. And that someone is Jesus. Even if you go back to verse four, it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Again, Jesus is the source of light. Jesus is the luminous one here. And he shines his light into our darkness to reveal to us what is actually true. To reveal to us what is actually right and to reveal to us what is most valuable. That's what the luminous one, that's what Jesus does. And this is where we come into play. And we read some familiar things, though we may not have caught it. If you look at verse, uh, well, start in nine again. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That verse is really peculiar to me. Because you would think that a creation would know its creator. But verse 10 says Jesus came into the world and no one even recognized it was him. What we learn in John, Jason preached through this at the very beginning of the series, is that it's through the word of Jesus that all things came into existence. All things have their being through Jesus. So then Jesus comes into the picture and they're all saying, who's that guy? So the world doesn't even recognize him. But even worse, in verse 11 he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The people that he had set apart even did not even, they didn't, it's not only that they didn't re recognize him, they rejected him. Which is important for us to see, because it is entirely possible for the light of Christ to be shining all around us, and for us to totally miss it, or even worse, to totally reject it. That is totally possible. And if you think about it, if you really spend some time on it, you might find yourself realizing 
we tend to reject truths that we don't like. That's our, I think that's, that's in a lot of us. We live in a world that basically tells us if you don't like it, it's probably not true, or even if it is true, it's not valuable. You could say that about the way the world views Jesus, but you could say that about the way the world views a lot of things. Our values, our opinion. In fact, we live in a world that worships our opinions as God. And if we don't like it, well, then it's not necessary. So then imagine, here comes a guy who's saying, hey, you are broken and desperately need in, in need of repair. Not just broken and in need of repair, you're actually dead in sin. You need life. That's probably not the most comfortable message to hear. But that's what Jesus comes and he reveals. And hopefully, it gets through. Otherwise, we, like the Jews, who knew that they needed a Messiah for generations, could still miss it. Or worse, reject it. The one that we'd actually been waiting for all along was right there in our face. We could still turn and miss it. But that sounds super bleak, right? <laughs> Thankfully, the passage doesn't end there. There's hope. And any time that Jesus is in the picture, there's hope. It's actually one of the things that makes Christmas so amazing. Anytime Jesus comes into the picture, there's hope. In verse 12, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, it says right there, not everyone misses it. Not everyone rejects it. Some receive it. And that sounds great. Because for everyone who does receive it, it's pretty life-changing. It's pretty amazing. So remember, if we're, if we're talking about Jesus as the luminous one, the one as the light source, then what the luminous does is he, the, the luminous one leads to other things being illuminated. And we, those who receive him, those who believe in him, we get to be illuminated. And the difference between being luminous and illuminated, now I'm no science teacher. All my science teachers would say, you're walking on thin ice here, Phil. You should not be teaching about science. Uh, but the difference between luminous and illuminated is that luminous means you are the source of light. Illuminated means you are the thing that has been filled by light. You're the receiver. In the same way, if we look at one of these light fixtures here, we see the glow of the glass, right? That's what we see. But that glass that we're looking at is not the light. That glass that we're looking at is not the source of the light. It is what has been illuminated by the source of light. And the same token, all who receive him, who believe in his name, get the right to be children of God. That means we get to be full of the light because the source has poured it into us. That's what it means to be illuminated. So we can be received, or so we can receive light, we can be filled with it. This is, again, where, you know, walk in risky territory by delving into science here, but think about the human eye. The human eye, did you realize like the human eye doesn't even work if there is no light? 
The human eye is not made to function if there is not light. Every layer of the eye is made for the purpose of responding to light. From the outside in, that's the way it works. The cornea, which is the outside of your eye, takes the light and it bends it into focus, sending it to the pupil. And the pupil is like a doorway that expands and contracts to find out how much light gets in. Then from there, there's an iris that controls how much light is actually needed in the rest of the eye. Next, it goes to the lens of the eye, which actually uh, takes uh, working with the cornea on the outside to actually form a focus inside for what's happening with this light. And eventually, it reaches the retina in the back, which isn't all the way in the back. It's just a few layers back. It reaches the retina, which is covered in these photoreceptors that take all that light and turn it into electricity, which is wild. <laughs> and that electricity travels through our optic nerve and goes into our brain, which tells our brain and tells the rest of our body, hey, what you're looking at is a person. Hey, what you're looking at is a shirt. See, our eyes, every part of our eye is made to respond to light. Which is why when we're in low light, we find ourselves squinting and straining. I have a daughter that for some reason loves to read in the dark. She'll, if there was a lamp here, she'd go sit on the other side of the room and do this the whole time. Right? Our eyes strain when, there's not, when we're not in the presence of light. But our eyes, when, when the eye has been illuminated, it not only fully works, it serves the entire body. That's the way illuminated things work, and we're the same way. Every single part of us made to respond to the true light of Christ. Every part of us made to respond to the true light of Christ. We were made by him, made for him. And when he shines on us, every part of us actually works the way we're intended to. Because we're made that way. But it says that those who are illuminated are those who receive him. So how do we receive him? Jason preached a great sermon on this a couple weeks ago. I can't do in two minutes what he did an entire sermon, but let me just kind of give a quick walkthrough. First of all, it's God who grants that permission, period. God gives the right. But to every person that he gives the right, they can receive. And when they receive, or how they receive, I mean, is by believing in his name. That's what verse 12 says. And to believe in his name, Jason said that this was when, uh, to believe that phrase, believe in his name, was about believing in the fullness of a person. Not just that, you know, my name is Phil, but that everything about Phil is true. Everything that Phil has said is right and true. And I hope you're not believing in my name today because I guarantee you I'll let it down. But Jesus, when we believe in his name, when we believe in the fullness of who he is, when we agree with him, when he says he is God's son sent to save sinners and I'm a sinner who needs saving, when we agree with him about those things and when we run to him and say, Jesus, be my savior, that's when we can receive him. So we believe that he's God's son sent to cover our sins because we couldn't cover it ourselves no matter how hard we tried, that we ourselves were in need of saving and only Jesus is the one capable of doing that saving. He did this not only by being born in a manger, 
being placed in some kind of man-made structure at his birth, but 33 years later being placed on a man-made structure for his death, his sacrificial death on a cross where his perfect sinless life was hung on a tree and on that cross took the burden of every bit of sin that would touch this world. Every bit of sin that would be in every one of us that we should have been paying the price for, but instead there on the cross, he paid it. Paid it all. One time, once and for all. Paid in full. And the beautiful part about a true light If you look a few verses earlier in verse five, it says, and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. So even the darkness of sin and death could not overcome the true light of Jesus because when Jesus hung on a cross and died and then eventually was buried in a tomb, he couldn't stay there. He couldn't stay in darkness. He couldn't stay in death because the true light has to shine. It cannot be overcome. So he rose again victorious over sin and death three days later. And for some reason, though he never had to, in his goodness, chose to pass on that victory over sin and death to all who would receive him. What a crazy story. But it's not just a story. That light is revealing that that is the most true thing we could ever see. That is the most true thing we could ever see. So when we receive him, we are putting our belief in our faith, not in ourselves, but in him. And I gotta ask today, have you received him? Is that something that you have experienced? Has the light of Christ not only shown around you, but has it shown in you? Have you been illuminated by the light of Christ, filled up with his light, If you have, then I hope you're having the merriest Christmas ever. But if you have not, perhaps you're sitting here tonight and you find yourself saying like, man, I feel like this whole year I've just been trying to find whatever would make something work, whatever would make something feel right. I feel like I've been clamoring to find whatever the light actually is. Maybe you find yourself there tonight. And I just want to, as humbly as I can, tell you, Jesus is it. Jesus is that light that you've been searching for all along. You know, I'll never forget a specific Christmas Eve. I think this was about 15 years ago, probably. My family, we went to Christmas Eve services together often. Uh, and my, we have an aunt who, she's a wonderful lady, but she had a hard, she had a lot of hard things happen to her in life. And she had some people from the church make that even harder. So she found herself distanced from the church and distanced from the Lord. And she did not want anything to do with the church and with him, with Jesus. And so for years, we would go to Christmas Eve services and she'd say, no, no, no. But this year, for some reason, she says, we going to Christmas Eve service? And all the family's saying, yep. Are you going to Christmas Eve service? She says, yep. We all go to Christmas Eve service and we're sitting there and I'll never forget the pastors doing kind of the same thing as me, just sharing the good news of why Jesus came. And as soon as he says, if you don't know him, just come forward. I'd like to talk with you. 
my aunt, who at this time is in her 50s, waddles her way out of the pew and goes right down the aisle and goes and talks to the pastor. And while, meanwhile, the whole family is sitting there just thinking, what is happening right now? About 20 or 30 minutes later, she comes out, walks right up to the whole family and says, I've been saved. And all of us, I mean, internally, our jaws are on the floor, right? Probably externally too, I don't know. But we're all celebrating. It's crazy. It was, she was so excited, so excited that her and all of her like bad knees and all that stuff went out in the parking lot and danced the Tootsie Roll dance to celebrate. She was so excited about it. I'm not even making that up. That's for real. And maybe that's you tonight where like you've been around it for a long time. But you're sitting here in this service tonight. And there's something in you prying on you, saying, hey, that's what you've been looking for. That's what you've been waiting for. You have been around light for so long, but you've never been filled by it because you've never been filled by Jesus. And I want to give you the invitation tonight to say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Be filled by him. Don't let another day pass. Because what do we know? We know that darkness eventually just makes us more and more and more blind. Darkness eventually becomes very familiar to us. But we weren't meant for darkness. We were meant for him and his light. So don't let another day go by. And just right now, the band's actually going to come and they're going to lead us through our last song. And as they lead us through our last song, People are going to be lighting candles and all that stuff, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But here's my encouragement to you. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I need that light, I need that relationship, my encouragement to you is to come right down here in front. As soon as they start singing, come right down here in front. I know you'll feel awkward. I know it, fe it feels super awkward. It can. I promise you, if you come down here and you meet Jesus, you won't care one single bit about that awkwardness. It'll be the best Christmas you've ever had in your life. Because Jesus changes everything. And if you're here and you know you need that in boldness, just walk right down here in front. I'm going to be standing right here in this front row. Walk right down here. And let's just have a conversation about how someone can start a relationship with the true light that they were made for. You know, Christmas and light, like I've said, have had this long connection. And I love on Christmas Eve, the way that these candles have become a regular tradition. And really, what's cool about the luminous one, illuminating others, allowing us to be illuminated, is that everything that has been filled with light, whether intentionally or unintentionally, passes light. That's the way it works. So when we've been filled with the light of Jesus, his light radiates out of us too. And in that same token here, this source of light, this single source of light can light another candle. And from this one source of light, every candle in the room will be lit. Because the luminous thing leads to something else being illuminated. And when something else is illuminated, then that thing can also be illuminating. And each of us have the opportunity as children of God to be small reflections of who he is and what he does. Sending that light to others. Jason said at the beginning of this series, 
that the more and more we embrace the truth about Christ, the brighter he will shine to us at Christmas. And I would say the same thing. The more we embrace the light of Christ, the brighter he will shine not only to us, but through us. So let this candle be an example of that. As we pass it on to our neighbor, let it be an example of that. You know, if you have a lit candle, just hold it upright and and extend it to the person next to you and let them bend their candle towards yours. So the lit candle remains upright and the unlit candle is the one bending. And on one hand, that's very practical because we don't want wax all over the floor. But it's also pretty theological fitting uh, if you think about it. But we're gonna do that. And this one light is gonna start passing around the room. And like I said before, if that's you and you're here and you know that the relationship with Jesus is something you don't have, then my greatest encouragement for you is to come and have a conversation and let that light fill you and make you new and make you different and change you forever. So even as they sing, you come and let's have a conversation.